Welcome to Return to Self, a podcast that explores the fascinating, mysterious, exhausting, sometimes overwhelming, yet ultimately rewarding journey of remembering who you were before the world taught you who to be. I'm your host, Bruna, and I wear many hats. I'm an author, certified life coach, intuitive, mystic, and storyteller. And for our first season, we'll be hearing from various guests about their spiritual journeys, because there comes a time for all of us when you inevitably get sick of your own shit. Yeah, I curse. And that's when change happens. But the road to get there and what that journey entails is different for everybody. Regardless, these challenges and the magic that follows end up guiding you through a cosmic treasure map back home, which is within you. So sit back and enjoy as we return to self and remember what we always knew, but somehow forgot along the way. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Return to Self. I'm your host, Bruna. And for today's episode, you are going to meet R&B singer Kenyon Dixon. Now, Kenyon's worked with everybody. Whether you've heard Kenyon's vocals through the works of people like Mary J. Blige, Justin Timberlake, Genuine, or Tyrese, or his own music like his latest release, Expectations, anyone who's heard Kenyon knows this man is gifted. Kenyon actually grew up in the church with two preacher parents. And so during this episode, we navigate through his path of kind of taking a beat and taking a step back to identify what spirituality means to him outside of the church, while also embracing some of his own spiritual gifts along the way. Here's Kenyon Dixon. Kenyon Dixon, also known as R&B Kenny, for those of us who are about that life, thank you for taking the time. Yes, let's start off with something that can help put us on common ground, which is what does spirituality mean to you? Amazing question. Spirituality for me, hmm, it's natural. I consider it a part of uh, kind of what you practice daily. Mm-hmm. It's it's religion and religion in the sense of not stigma, but literally your daily practices, what you what you subscribe to. Um, but spirituality covers so much ground. Uh, again, there are the stigmas associated with it, but it's it's holistic. Like everything you do, it covers that. It's navigation. It's every everything possible. It's just how you live and and what you see your experiences through. Um, kind of like it's something that's able to filter that because depending on what you subscribe to spiritually. You have a different bottom line and a, just a different base um, and understanding of why things are happening, how to how to change those things, how to gauge just everything. So spirituality to me is like a manifestation of self in a way. Mm, okay. And what are some of the daily practices for you? Gratitude is a is a huge one. I think that gratitude just breeds awesome things and especially more just more blessing and more reasons more reason to be grateful about things, uh, which is a blessing within itself. So that's something I practice every day. Being kind, I think is also important. We hear a lot about being around people and and, and friends fighting battles that we never know, um, that we Mm -hmm. may not know anything about. But I think that should extend 
uh, a little further than just your friends, just people in general. It's just it's important to to be nice, um, and, and that also feeds yourself as well, um, which is another yeah. huge part of spirituality. You just want to be refilled. You can't keep pouring from an empty cup. So I think those are two of my main practices: just being grateful and being nice. And I think everything else kind of falls in line there for me. Yeah, I mean, I would even extend that to your music. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. How has your music kind of played a role for you with your spirituality? My music for me is uh, cathartic. It's a release of emotions. And, and because I'm such an empathetic person, the emotion may not always be personal, but you can take that stuff on from other people. And so um, you have to have some sort of way to release it, even physically. That's It's like harmful to your body to hold on to uh, so yes. much energy. And so for me with my music, I think when that is composed correctly and that energy is put in the right way to where you're able to connect with people, it gives them that same opportunity. So I may be the, the creator or the creative figuring out how to package it as art, but for the receptor or, or the person on the um, the receiving end, they get that art. And I think that it kind of sparks that same process of release for them um, because of how they're able to relate to it. So I think music serves that that purpose just with context and emotion alone. And then if we get into the technical aspects of music and just frequencies and stuff like that, there are tons of both healing and detrimental things that can happen depending on, you know, where the music sits. So yeah, music is like medicine. Yeah. So this just came up in my head. I don't really know why, but we'll see where it goes. It's a two-parter. One, would you consider yourself a spiritual person with that word, you know, it has a lot of layers as to what it means to different people, which is why I start with my first question. And then two, do you think people from the outside looking in would consider you a spiritual person? Got you. Yes and yes. For completely different reasons, kind of. I consider myself a spiritual person, um, again, because I know my my daily practices. Also, you know, I'm born and raised in church. So, my introduction to spirituality was Christianity. Although now as an adult, I still subscribe to a healthily subscribe to a lot of those practices that I was taught. But but then I've also, you know, figured out some personal things and learning about relationship with spirituality and not just uh, what you were told. So I think that I allow that to navigate how I move and people from the outside in, my friends, uh, they know me to be a pretty spiritual person, especially Considering my gifts, I'm very um, intuitive and like in tune. I think that manifests in different ways throughout my relationships and interactions with people. So I think that they see it as well, even outside of like a stigmatic perception. Because again, spirituality, especially growing up in the Black community and in church, considering our history as well, our world history, there, there's so many stigmas and connotations as far as just how and what we were taught. And so I think uh, it's, I mean, we're, you know, considering the times now, there's so many outlets and so many journeys to take spiritually that I think people are kind of learning what works for them. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I have my my base and I've also, you know, I understand what what works uh, for my spiritual journey. Yeah. So, okay, now I understand why I felt inclined to ask that because you touched on so many things now that I'm like, ooh, let's talk about that. So. Let's start with growing up in the church. And then you mentioned that you kind of found your own path with that later on. When that happened for you, did you face any hardships or pushback, whether it be from 
family, your community, or even within yourself? I think it was more self uh, because it's not something I was like extremely overt with, like that people could see happening. I guess as you get older, and again, because I've always been very intuitive, I've, I've just been that child and, you know, I've progressed into an adult. To be able to decipher between spiritual practice and what was practical, it was a huge thing because there, there's a lot that we were taught that was just uh, religious and not spiritual. And so you have mm-hmm. to learn to separate the two. And I think that I learned how to do that. You know, growing up, we're reading the Bible. We can quote scriptures at the drop of a dime and it meant nothing because there was no connection there. It was just something that you were taught. When I got older and I started reading stuff for myself and understanding stuff for myself and praying, making things more personal and not just religious. Again, it was, I think it kind of sparked something different and a different perspective. I feel more of a connection to God, like myself now as an adult, because I understand this is, yeah, I just understand a lot more. Like you're, you're taught yeah. a specific practice disconnected from, I don't want to say truth, but disconnected from the genuineness of it. It's just kind of like, yeah. this is what you have to do. So if you're told that as a child, you're going to do it, you may, you may never understand. So I had that moment where I stepped back because I, I didn't understand, or I was honest enough with myself to say, I didn't understand. Now the, the religious person in me, was like, oh, you can't do that. You can't you can't say you don't understand because you were told that you can't say you don't understand. <laughs> so um I literally start I started over. I started from scratch and started reading mm-hmm. stuff to to ask questions and, and say, okay, what does this mean? This doesn't make sense to me. And that was a that was a big a big thing because again, you're you're taught never to question stuff like that. And so now I'm I'm very comfortable with where I am and and knowing that if I don't know it, it's it's okay. It's it's okay to not yeah. know and to respectfully figure out what it means to you. Yeah, that's so beautiful to hear because that's been one of the common threads through all of the different podcasts that I've done so far is that moment of questioning what you were taught and allowing yourself to really break away from that, which can be really scary for a lot of us and kind of being in the unknown and learning for yourself and maneuvering for yourself. So during your journey, when that happened to you, was there a specific thing that happened or a specific thing that kind of sparked that? Or was it just time? Mm, ma- mainly time, but I think that time and intelligence, actually. And intelligence mm-hmm. and spirituality, traditional spirituality doesn't go hand in hand. They're actually polar, like they're opposites, as opposite as something can be. So I think when the more I became open to learning, you either mm-hmm. choose to really be open to learning or to close certain stuff off that doesn't that you don't feel like can coexist with what you're already supposed to know. And when you mm-hmm. remove that, you enter a whole new realm of realm of just experience. So growing up in church, uh, both of my parents were preachers and and like. Mm-hmm. teaching. And so I, I was in... You were in it. Yeah. I, and I was like in the sanctuary like every every day, from like Monday through Sunday. There was a reason for oh, us wow. to have to be there. And so I never had the option to not go to church. I remember one time, I may have been in middle school. It was Sunday morning, supposed to get ready for church. My mom came in. I was still sleepy. And she was like, she was like, well, do you want to stay home? She had never said that to me before. She was like, mm-hmm. do you want to stay home? And I was like, hmm. 
And I was like, yeah, I want to stay <laughs> That's home That's an option? Yeah. I was like, I want to stay home today. And she was like, okay, cool. And she went to church. And having that freedom, I took it and I ran with it. And I think that I didn't, I didn't go to church for like, I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't say just not go, but I wasn't like the church goer I was as often for like a couple years. And throughout that year, that's what started that process of me kind of, when you step outside of something, you're able to see it so much better. And so mm-hmm. that's what it was for me. I spent my whole life learning something and then it took me those couple of years to unlearn it, to relearn it correctly. So right, I would kind of attribute it to that. That really surprises me to hear that you had two preacher parents who gave you the room to do that. It, it it wasn't it wasn't normal. It was I don't like none of my other siblings, and I'm the youngest. There's seven of us in total. None of them ever had oh, that wow. option. And so, like, I think even they're like, you know, at the time they had to be like, huh, right? You know, after you've raised so many kids and had so many experiences, I think even my mom got to the point to where she's just like. Maybe she started to see it. Maybe she didn't. I don't know what that moment was for her, but that was, yeah, that was different. I never had that option. What I respect about it is because she knows that she raised us well and she knows what she instilled in us. So I, I respect and always think about how confident and comfortable she must have been to be okay with knowing that you've raised all of your children this way, but you've taught me enough to where you trust me to not go crazy by giving me mm. this freedom. I think that that speaks to just her discipline yeah. you know, to her children. And her trust in you and her trust in your judgment. Because I think my story, I mean, I definitely wasn't in the church every single day. But um, my story is similar in the sense that I grew up in the Catholic church and my dad was very religious. And right away there was this resistance with me and it was more of a feeling you know logically i couldn't explain it mm-hmm. but it was more of a feeling of just you kind of touched on this everything feeling like an obligation mm-hmm. like i'm not given room to decide you're telling me how to feel you're telling me what to believe and for as long as i can remember that's the quickest way to make me not want to do whatever it is yeah to this day, if you don't want me to do something, tell me to do it. I need to make that decision. When you kind of continued on that path of taking a break from the church, were there ever conversations in your home about why that was? Never. Ne- never in the home. Wow. I think the progression was so natural. I think that my mother probably, well, she's my mother, so she knew. But I just mean as far as like conversation, I, I think she didn't even see it that way. I think... She okay. may she may have just felt like, you know, you're a teenager, you're growing into a, a different version of yourself. And maybe she just wanted to uh, allot that space as a human being and a, a boy growing yeah. into a man or the, the process in that process of growing into a man and just allow me to make my own decisions. And this is all my assumption or my perception of it. I, I have no idea to this day. We've never we've never talked about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. It's interesting. Shout out to mom. So. During this journey for you, what would you say has been the biggest misconception when it comes to spirituality? Hmm. It's a great question. I'm a very visual person, so I think I'm always going to navigate to something that represents that. But biggest misconception for me is people's ideals about the church, especially about the Black church. And there's the assumption that if you look the part, then spiritually you're healthy. And I found that to be very, very untrue. I've seen some of the most amazing, amazingly dressed people shouting and singing perfectly on Sunday and depressed and Mm -hmm. unhappy and broke 
and broken in everything possible. And you would never know um, because church has its its routine. And so when you come here, there's a certain energy that you must give it. There's protocol. Here's how this stuff works. And so I'm grateful for my pastor. Um, but I've I've learned that a lot of church tends to uh, churches tend to lack outreach, which is the sole purpose of mm. the facility <laughs> and and the idea of it. the The communal aspect of it is literally for you to be able to make other people aware of this experience, and so to even have people there in the church who are operating in these positions and they are not healthy, they are not happy or whole. That's so that's so dangerous and detrimental to self because they're in the place where they should be able to receive healing and nobody is able to tend to that. And so I think that that is uh, that's a very big misconception about the church, just that as long as you look fine and that and that extends outside of the church. I think that's a life thing. People think whatever you display, that's what it is. And it takes a special type of person and a patient person and understanding person to be able to. uh just tap into things because it's not as easy as, you know, you don't want to just make an assumption, but it takes a lot of paying attention to detail and learning people's habits to be able to pick up on when something is different. And not everybody has that gift or ability to do that to people that they don't have like in-depth relationships with. And so, right. yeah, I, w- I would say that was, that was, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things on the contrary to that, that time I spent where I stepped back from everything more people gravitated towards me f- for spiritual guidance. Mm. So it's interesting that I became this magnet to serve as someone who could be in a position of leadership for outreach or spirituality when I'm feeling like I'm the most disconnected from it. So it's, I don't know, it has its... Perception though, perception. Because I feel like what you just touched on is exactly why people would turn to you. Because you mentioned your intuitive nature, which we're definitely going to touch on. And you also talked about just your ability to recognize what sounds almost like spiritual bypassing and escapism in a sense. And I might be taking some liberties there, but while you were saying that, all I kept hearing in my head was how can you possibly heal what you don't acknowledge is needing to be healed, first of all. And second of all, just this continuing escapism that so many of us do in different ways. And I don't think people would ever consider, you know, a religious or spiritual practice as feeding into that. But spiritual bypassing is such a big thing. And sometimes it is that where it's like, oh, but, you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to church. It'll be fine. It's like, but it's not fine. And it won't be fine until you recognize it's not fine. So I definitely feel like even your ability to notice that in other people, I think those same people would recognize that back in you. Because again, we're mirrors of everybody. And so they're like, damn, he be knowing. So maybe I need it like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to talk to Kenyon about some stuff. So let's talk about your intuition. Yep. When would you say you realize that you had that gift? It's, it's something I've had as a child and something I've recognized as a child, it's it's interesting because on the on the surface or globally more so it's intuition, but gr- growing up and, and again black church black community it's a gift of prophecy from how I was raised and such a funny instance but I always think about this I had to be about like eight or nine and there was I was at my grandmother's house there was an award show that was on it may have been like the Source Awards or something and 
uh, my cousin came in and he asked who was all performing on the awards. And I didn't know I had just watched it. And I was just like, oh, I, I, it had to be like, I said like Snoop Dogg or somebody. I'm like, oh, Snoop Dogg is coming up next. It, it, and it could serve as irony, but the t- he was standing right there. The award show came back on. They introduced Snoop Dogg. And I was like, hey. And I think about that often because now knowing that I actually have that gift, I, I'm like, was that ironic or was that uh, an instance of me like learning or seeing that? Because it, it's also weird to me that it's still that vivid. So I don't, there's yeah. something about it that's not like super ironic to me, but, but that's always, uh, it's always been the case with a lot of my friends, even just, I always know what's happening. I'm always somehow when I felt led I, and I, and I reach out or I'm like, um, I talked to a friend about this or that. They're like, Oh, it's crazy. You would hit me because I'm actually dealing mm-hmm. with this right now. Or what you just said is exact confirmation to what I've been thinking about or what someone else said or or oh, I was just wondering if I should make this decision. And then you just called me and told me exactly the decision I should make. And you didn't know that that's what I was talking about. It's it's always, it's always been that even with myself, like I find myself expecting certain things, even outside of manifestation, just like super practical daily stuff and never fails, never fails. Yeah. And so I've, I've recognized that gift, which is scary because it comes with a lot of responsibility. Yes. Because I think there's a, an amount of power that's given there as well. So you have to be very careful with the energy that you allow to navigate it because you never want to just misuse it or abuse it. And so, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, to yeah. answer the actual question, yeah, since childhood, I think that's when I first recognized that that was an actual gift that I that you had. Yeah. And did you kind of foster that throughout your life or do you feel like it kind of freaked you out and you put it on the back burner? I think I think I never really gave much attention to it purposely because I think mm-hmm. growing up, you don't really you don't really understand what it is. I knew I knew what it was. I didn't understand it, though. I could identify mm-hmm. it. I think I didn't I didn't really start tapping into it and accepting like, OK, this is, you know, what's happening until I was an adult, even growing up, um, going to different churches, like visiting churches or if like, you know, I went to my friend's church or anytime I would come across any like prophets or anything like that. That was always what they would say to me. They would always reiterate like, yo, you have this gift of like prophecy and like they would call it out every single time. And so I think as an adult, that's that's when I really started to like accept like, okay, all right, I know what it is, but it's so it's an unlearning and learning process as well because it's something mm-hmm. that I learned about in church. And so we're talking talking about the stigmas related to that. I don't live that life. So I have to learn what that means for me as an individual because it it will never look like what it looked like on the people I saw growing up because that's not who I am. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm also learning just as me, what, what does that mean for me? Yeah. Intuition comes up in my readings all the time. And I always try to remind people like we all have intuition. That's probably one of our greatest superpowers, but many of us have really detached from that throughout our life because of self-doubt and really just forgetting that connection we have. And I resonate so much with everything you said because I also have had it since childhood. And I think my journey was more so like it was shaky when it came to my own stuff, like using my intuition for my own stuff because I had a hard time deciphering between is this my intuition? Am I making shit up? 
Is this my head? You know, all that. But let me tell you, I could read anyone else in the room. And that's where the responsibility I had to learn came in because sometimes, well, a lot of the times I'd pick up on shit with other people that they don't even realize yet. And so then it gets into a thing where I had to unlearn and relearn what's appropriate to bring up given the timing. Yeah. Is it really my job to be the one to bring this up to this person or do I need to just put that in my back pocket and let them figure their shit out on their own? That's a a, a real decision. I, I deal with that often. It's tricky too with friends, people you care about because right. It's like I want to help you even and but but sometimes helping helping has different positions. So it's not always mm-hmm. me being in the same position. Sometimes helping is me having to allow you to change your position and your perspective. And so I think that is uh, that's where it gets tricky because it's like, I love you. I don't want to see you deal with certain stuff. I feel like I could do something right now that would help you and get you out of that. However, based on the intuitiveness, it's like, mm-hmm. I know that what I want to do is not what I should do, even though I feel like it's what would help you the most right now. So it's like, right. Yeah, that's a that's a it's tricky. Yeah. And it's something I've had to actively and consciously work on. And Deepak Chopra, I did his I think it was like 21 days of abundance thing. And one of the days he said something that stuck with me and I continue to repeat to myself, which is you're not helping anyone you love by learning their lessons for them. And I used to do that all the time. That's good. With the same mindset that you just said. I'm thinking I'm helping you. Like you may not connect all the dots, but in my mind, I process so quickly that it's like boop, boop, boop. Oh, that's why. Da, 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 and it's this. And so I'm just telling you because I'm like, let me help you figure this out faster. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't help anybody because people have to come to it in their own way and on their own because that also builds self confidence and self trust. Me telling you your life is not going to help you. So. It's like you said, it's been very tough when it comes to those especially closest to you because you think you're doing a service. Mm -hmm. Now, on the contrary, I've also found, and I don't know if you've experienced this, that some people who recognize my gifts then use that to bypass communicating things with me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) That happens often. They're just like expecting me to read their mind. And I'm like, first of all, I'm exhausted. And so, really, Going to, again, the responsibility and boundaries of just like, just because I may be able to feel what's going on, you still need to communicate it with me because that's what's healthy about this. Look at us with our superpowers. (laughs) Okay, so we're almost out of time. So the last question I have for you is what three words would you use to identify or describe your return to self? Hmm. Accountability. Mm, that's a big one. Truth and discipline. Wow, you are quick with it. Usually that question stumps people. These are these are daily things that, that I practice and there are goals that I've actually set, especially pertaining to, well, all three, actually. But discipline has been something that has just repeated. And so I've been on myself about that. I've recognized in several areas one one huge thing that I can use a lot more of is discipline. And so I've been daily, I try and find ways. It's it's so funny what you can do to work on it. Things as simple as uh, some of my homies just started like a, um, 
well, it's kind of like a club, like a group where we where we uh we're reading, like doing some reading, and we're mm-hmm. supposed to check in like every week, and you know we'll talk about it and everything like that. And like the first two weeks, I've like failed because I had so much going on, and so you know they're like, "Oh, it's cool." I'm like, "No," because this is exactly what I'm saying. Like something, an instance like this is the beginning of creating discipline. Like if I know that this is something that I have to do every week. I, I have to make the time to prepare because then I'm just doing what I've been doing the entire time and expecting. Yeah, that's what discipline is for me. The honesty or the truth is just, I, I feel like the world needs a lot more of it. I think that's why there's such a disconnect in so many different areas because we're holding on to the ideas that we've been given about things instead of learning to experience things for what they actually are. And the accountability, mm-hmm. both with myself and others, both of those extremes help my return to self because there's an, a certain accountability I have to have with myself to even be able to hold other people accountable because it takes mm-hmm. takes you knowing yourself and, and you being able to stay on yourself to have to be honest enough and brave enough to call someone else out on something as well. So it's all been uh, those three things work together and they've been yeah. um, a, a magical teacher. Yeah, it sounds like it. I love how they all weave in together. That's beautiful. Well, that's it. Yeah. We're out of time. These conversations, I'm telling you, they happen super fast. Thank you for taking the time to share that with us. I loved hearing your story, and I'm sure it's going to resonate with so many. So thank you. Blessings to you. Blessings to all of the abundance that's coming your way. I love seeing you blow up more and more because we were talking about this before we started recording all the work you've been putting in all these years. And finally, it's like, Look at this. Yeah, man. It's a, it's an amazing feeling. More work, but an amazing feeling. Well, make sure you take the time to celebrate like we were saying cuz the work is never going to end. Like you're just you're going to come up with new things all the time. So Very true. That discipline. I'm holding you accountable to take some time to really bask in what you are receiving because absolutely that's important and it's never going to end the work will never end well whoa where do you think you're going the reading for the collective is up next this podcast is brought to you by citizens of sound a one-stop shop for your podcasting needs citizens will help you with conceptualization design production editing and distribution Whether you're an artist, business owner, health and fitness coach, actor, public speaker, or yoga instructor, podcasting can be used as a tool to grow your influence, business, and platform. Visit citizensofsound.com to start your podcast today. Hello again. Welcome to your collective reading for this episode. As you know, I intuitively interpret the cards that I get for each reading. Take what resonates, leave what doesn't. And for this reading, I have three cards that came out all together, which just reaffirms that this message is intertwined between all three. Um, And this one's going to be interesting. Um. All right, let's just dive in. The first card that came up is the Twin Flame card. So let's dive into that a little bit. Um, For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term Twin Flame, 
I mean, people talk about it in many different ways. People have um, kind of tried to fit its concept into whatever serves him. So I try to be very um, weary of even discussing Twin Flames, but it comes up a lot. So Twin Flame, here's your like really quick and dirty cliff notes. Twin Flame is the idea that um, it is a divine partnership that is one soul split into two bodies. Now, that does not mean that these are two incomplete people who will not be whole until they find each other. It simply means that during this lifetime, should you have a twin flame incarnate, then you will inevitably meet and this person will mirror you to a T. Now, this is both extremely beautiful and divine and also fucking crazy. Okay. If you want to talk about triggers and shadow work, here you go. The twin flame dynamic, um, and this is kind of why a lot of people tend to misidentify a twin flame partnership for a karmic relationship because it, it does get heavy. Um, it forces you to kind of face a lot of your unhealed wounds through this person because it's literally you in another body. It is the aspects of you that you may not um, always recognize or identify because it's kind of been tucked really deep, you know, suppressed. So, yes, these are often romantic relationships and they take you for a wild ride. Um, There's so many different signs and things to kind of help you determine whether or not Um, it is a twin flame dynamic that you're in and feel free to Google that and use your discernment for whether it resonates or not. But what I want to focus on for this reading when it comes to a twin flame partnership is the amount of, what is the right word here? The amount of gifts, I guess that's the word that came up. doesn't always feel like a gift, but it is a gift. The amount of gifts this person will give you, because again, this is you in a different body. So what ends up happening is usually your twin flame is someone that it's like you guys are so alike, but also very opposite at the same time. You balance each other. And so the thing that ends up happening with twin flames is you fall into like a blame game, which is very easy for us to do. We all do it. And so during the turbulent moments or in moments of separation or when things aren't working out because the twin flame path is up and down and windy and a fucking shit show, you fall into this habit of if only they changed this or if only they did this or blah, 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 which is really fun and distracting to the real work, which is the fact that everything they're bringing up lives within you. So one of the biggest cheat codes a twin flame can give you is access into the parts of yourself that need your love, healing, and attention. Pointing the finger and playing the blame game is a distraction. This is a way to continue to not do the work, quote, do the work. So recognize if this does resonate with you and someone comes to mind and you're like, oh shit, I think I might have a twin flame. We don't all have one. It is a very 
divine thing. However, I will say this has come up in so many readings that given where we're at globally and spiritually and where we're heading, there are a lot of twin flame partnerships and connections during this time. What was once extremely rare and limited is all over the place right now because a twin flame union, when these two people finally come together and unite, it helps shift humanity. It helps bring the frequency and vibrancy of love to humanity, whereas a soulmate partnership helps each person's soul evolve. This does that and helps all of humanity. So yeah, it's a it's a thing. Anyway, like I said, Google it, come up to your own conclusions, but someone listening has a twin flame dynamic happening. So the cards are telling you to one, recognize this partnership and the amount of gifts and healing and insight that it is giving you to your own journey. The card says the answer to your question involves a spiritually based romantic relationship. We also got the goddess card, express your divine feminine energy, embracing its magical intuition. There's that intuition again. Kenyon and I just talked about it and nurturing qualities. We also got clear yourself, ask the angels to release any toxic energies that you may have absorbed. So again, I feel like these cards are all kind of weaving into one big message, which is this. Should you be in a twin flame partnership or dynamic, understand that this person is highlighting the parts of you that need healing. For some of you that is within your divine feminine, once again, we all have a divine masculine and divine feminine within us. So this message is not strictly just for women just because it has a feminine undertone to everything I'm saying. This is about tapping into the divine feminine with you, which is also the part of you that holds creativity, your warrior spirit, your deep sense of justice, balance, and morality, your awareness of thoughts and feelings, otherwise known as your intuition, your ability to fully embody and embrace all of the different aspects of yourself and the different layers of yourself. That is the divine feminine. The divine feminine breaks all barriers and limitations. And we all have that within us. So really look into yourself and acknowledge where you might have been placing those limitations or where you may have absorbed those limitations. That's where the clear yourself card comes in. Release any toxic energies. And I would add to that beliefs, thought patterns, or structures that have either been placed on you or that you have adopted that don't work. What is suppressing or silencing the divine feminine within you? For some of you, this divine feminine presence and the healing that is needed to happen within you is being highlighted by your twin flame, by your divine counterpart. So again, breaking free of the blame, blame, blame game and seeing what aspects of this person is triggering me. What aspects of them are bringing something up within me that need my attention or healing? I'm getting a lot of masculine energy right now. So I really feel like it's a man who's listening and you are in a twin flame dynamic and your divine feminine counterpart is bringing up things for you to heal within yourself, for you to clear so that you can finally live to your full capability. 
because you've been stifling yourself. You've been stifling yourself. And I would go as far as to say that part of the intrigue to your divine counterpart is seeing them embody that divine feminine energy. It's like you're amazed by it, but then you're also kind of jealous of it. Like there's a sense of competition there. Understand that they are you. So the things you admire about this person live within you, but it's your job to tap into that and allow it to flourish and live. So again, twin flame, goddess, and clear yourself. For those of you who are listening and this message resonates, really take a look at this divine counterpart. What are they teaching you? What are they highlighting about yourself? What is it that you finally need to just let go of and clear so that you can fully embrace your magical intuition and nurturing qualities that you may have silenced or put off to the side for a very long time? They're showing you parts of yourself that exist. There is nothing they have that you don't have, but it's up to you to awaken that part of yourself. Now, as we do with all readings, deep inhale and exhale and show some gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that does it for this week's Return to Self podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Bruna, and I thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to our stories. If you're loving what you're hearing, I'd greatly appreciate that you take some time to like, rate, and comment this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And I hope you join us again next week as we continue to return to self.